Section 80 of London Labour and the London Poor, Volume 2, by Henry Mayhew. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gillian Hendry. Of the Rats in the Sewers I will now state what I have learned from long-experienced men as to the characteristics of the rats in the sewers. To arrive even at a conjecture as to the numbers of these creatures, now as it were the population of the sewers, I found impossible, for no statistical observations have been made on the subject, but all my informants agreed that the number of the animals had been greatly diminished within these four or five years. In the better constructed sewers there are no rats. In the old sewers they abound. The sewer rat is the ordinary house or brown rat, excepting at the outlets near the river, and here the water rat is seen. The sewer rat is the common brown or Hanoverian rat, said by the Jacobites to have come in with the first George, and established itself after the fashion of his royal family, and undoubtedly such was about the era of their appearance. One man who had worked twelve years in the sewers before flushing was general, told me he had never seen but two black, or old English, rats. Another man of ten years' experience had seen but one, Others had noted no difference in the rats. I may observe that in my inquiries as to the sale of rats, as a part of the live animals dealt in by a class in the metropolis, I ascertained that in the older granaries, where there were series of floors, there were black as well as brown rats. Great black fellows, said one man who managed a Bermondsey granary, as would frighten a lady into asterisks to see of a sudden. The rat is the only animal found in the sewers. I met with no flusherman or other sewer worker who had ever seen a lizard, toad or frog there, although the existence of these creatures in such circumstances has been presumed. A few live cats find their way into the subterranean channels when a house drain is being built, or is opened for repairs, or for any purpose, and have been seen by the flushermen and so on wandering about, looking lost mewing as if in misery, and avoiding any contact with the sewage. The rats also, for they are not of the water rat breed, are exceedingly averse to wetting their feet, and take to the sewage, as it was worded to me, only in prospect of danger. That is, they then swim across or along the current to escape with their lives. It is said that when a luckless cat has ventured into the sewers, she is sometimes literally worried by the rats. I could not hear of such an attack having been witnessed by anyone, but one intelligent and trustworthy man said that a few years back, he believed about eight years, he had in one week found the skeletons of two cats, in a particular part of an old sewer, twenty-one feet wide, and in the drains opening into it were perfect colonies of rats, raging with hunger, he had no doubt, because a system of trapping, newly resorted to, had prevented their usual ingress into the houses up the drains. A portion of their fur adhered to the two cats, but the flesh had been eaten from their bones. About that time a troop of rats flew at the feet of another of my informants, and would no doubt have maimed him seriously. But my boots, said he, stop the devils. The sewers generally swarms with rats, said another man. I runs away from them. I don't like them. They in general gets away from us, but in case we comes to a stunt end where there's a wall and no place for em to get away, and we goes to touch em, they fly at us. 
There's some of em as big as good-sized kittens. One of our men caught hold of one the other day by the tail, and he found it trying to release itself, and the tail slipping through his fingers, so he put up his left hand to stop it, and the rat caught hold of his finger, and the man's got an arm now as big as his thigh. I heard from several that there had been occasionally battles among the rats, one with another. Why, sir, said one flusherman, as to the number of rats, it ain't possible to say. There hasn't been a census, note, laughing, end note, taken of them. But I can tell you this, I was one of the first flushermen when flushing came in general. I think it was before Christmas, 1847, under Mr. Rowe, and there was cartloads and cartloads of drowned rats carried into the Thames. It was in a West Strand shore that I saw the most. I don't exactly remember which, but I think Northumberland Street. By a block or a hitch of some sort there was, I should say, just a bushel of drowned rats stopped at the corner of one of the gates, which I swept into the next stream. I see far fewer drowned rats now than before the shores was flushed. They're not so plenty, that's one thing. Perhaps, too, they may have got to understand about flushing. They're that cute, and manage to keep out of the way. About Newgate Market was at one time the worst for rats. Men couldn't venture into the sewers then, on account of the varmint. It's bad enough still, I hear, but I haven't worked in the city for a few years. The rats, from the best information at my command, do not derive much of their sustenance from the matter in the sewers, or only in particular localities. These localities are the sewers neighbouring a connected series of slaughterhouses, as in Newgate Market, Whitechapel, Clare Market, parts adjoining Smithfield Market, and so on. There, animal awful being, and having been to a much greater extent five or six years ago, swept into the drains and sewers, the rats find their food. In the sewers generally, there is little food for them, and none at all in the best constructed sewers, where there is a regular and sometimes rapid flow, and little or no deposit. The sewers are these animals' breeding grounds. In them the broods are usually safe from the molestation of men, dogs or cats. These breeding grounds are sometimes in the holes, excavated by the industry of the rats into caves, which have been formed in the old sewers by a crumbled brick having fallen out. Their nests, however, are in some parts even more frequent in places where old rotting large house drains or smaller sewers empty themselves into a first-class sewer. Here, then, the rats breed, and in spite of precautions, find their way up the drains or pipes, even through the openings into water closets, into the houses for their food, and almost always at night. Of this fact, builders, and those best informed, are confident, and it is proved indirectly by what I have stated as to the deficiency of food for a voracious creature in all the sewers except a few. One man, long in the service of the commissioners of sewers, and in different capacities, gave me the following account of what may be called a rat settlement. The statement I found confirmed by other working men and by superior officers under the same employment. Why, sir, in the Milford Lane sewer, a goodish bit before you get to the river, or to the Strand, I can't say how far, a few hundred yards perhaps, I've seen and reported what was a regular chamber of rats. If a brick didn't fall out from being rotted, the rats would get it out, and send it among other rubbish into the sewer, for this place was just the corner of a big drain. I couldn't get into the rat-hole, of course not, but I've brought my lamp to the opening, and, as well as others, have seen it plain. 
It was an open place like a lot of tunnels one over another, like a lot of rabbit burrows in the country, as I've known to be, or like the partitions in the pigeon-houses, one here and another there. The rat-holes, as far as I could tell, were worked one after another. I should say, in moderation, that it was the size of a small room, well, say about six yards by four. I can't say about the height from the lowest tunnel to the highest. I don't see that anyone could. Bless you, sir, I've sometimes heard the rats fighting and squeaking there, like a parcel of drunken Irishmen. I have indeed. Some of them were rare big fellows. If you threw the light of your lamp on them sudden, they'd be off like a shot. Well, I should say there was a hundred pair of rats there. There might be more, besides all their young'uns. If a poor cat strayed into that sewer, she'd durns tackle the rats, not she. There's lots of such places, sir, here and there, and everywhere. I believe rats, says a late enthusiastic writer on the subject, under the cognomen of Uncle James, to be one of the most fertile causes of national and universal distress, and their attendants misery and starvation from the author's inquiries among practical men, and from his own study of the natural history of the rat, he shows that these animals will have six, seven, or eight nests of young in the year, from three or four years together, that they have from twelve to twenty-three at a litter, and breed at three months old, and that there are more female than male rats by ten to six. The author seems somewhat of an enthusiast about rats, and as the sewerage is often the headquarters of these animals, their breeding ground indeed, I extract the following curious matter. He says, quote, Now I propose to lay down my calculations at something less than one half. In the first place, I say four litters in the year, beginning and ending with a litter, so making thirteen litters in three years. Secondly, to have eight young ones at a birth, half male and half female. Thirdly, the young ones to have a litter at six months old. At this calculation, I will take one pair of rats, and at the expiration of three years, what do you suppose will be the amount of living rats? Why, no less a number than 646,808. Mr. Shaw's little dog, Tiny, under six pounds weight, has destroyed 2,525 pairs of rats, which, had they been permitted to live, would at the same calculation and in the same time have produced 1,633,190,200 living rats. And the rats destroyed by Messrs. Shaw and Sabin in one year, amounting to 17,000 pairs, would, had they been permitted to live, have produced at the above calculation and in the same time no less a number than 10,995,736,000 living rats. Now let us calculate the amount of human food that these rats would destroy. In the first place, my informants tell me that six rats will consume day by day as much food as a man. Secondly, that the thing has been tested and that my estimate given was that eight rats would consume more than an ordinary man. Now, I, to place the thing beyond the smallest shadow of a doubt, will set down ten rats to eat as much as a man, not a child. Nor will I say anything about what rats waste. And what shall we find to be the alarming result? Why, that the first pair of rats, with the three years' progeny, would consume in the night more food than 64,680 men the year round, and leaving eight rats to spare, 
End quote. The author then puts forth the following curious statement, quote, And now for the vermin destroyed by Messrs. Shaw and Sabin, 34,000 yearly. Taken at the same calculation with their three years' progeny, can you believe it? They would consume more food than the whole population of the earth. Yes, if omnipotence would raise up 29,573,600 more people, these rats would consume as much food as them all. You may wonder, but I will prove it to you. The population of the earth, including men, women and children, is estimated to be 970 million souls, and the 17,000 rats in three years would produce 10,995,736,000. Consequently, at 10 rats per man, there would be sufficient rats to eat as much food as all the people on the earth, and leaving 1,295,736,000. So that if the human family were increased to 1,099,573,600, instead of the 970 million, there would be rats enough to eat the food of them all. Now, sirs, is not this a most appalling thing? to think that there are at the present time in the British Empire thousands, nay, millions, of human beings in a state of utter starvation, while rats are consuming that which would place them and their families in a state of affluence and comfort. I ask this simple question. Has not Parliament, ere now, been summoned upon matters of far less importance to the Empire? I think it has. End quote. The author then advocates the repeal of the rat tax, that is, the tax on what he calls the true friend of man and remorseless destroyer of rats, the well-bred terrier dog. Take the tax off rat-killing dogs, he says, and give a legality to rat-killing, and let there be in each parish a man who will pay a reward per head for dead rats, which are valuable for manure. Note, as was done in the case of wolves in the old days, and then rats would be extinguished forever. Uncle James seems to be a perfect Malthus among rats. The overpopulation and over-rat theories are about equal in reason. End of section 80